the house has always been burning. Yeah. And, and like I said, I mentioned before, we need to go ahead and take this American house down to its studs. Yeah. We need to rebuild everything because um, the thing is, like I said, African-American people, minority people, black, brown people were never written into this constitution. So mm. we need to go ahead and rebuild Re or absolutely. create something totally different to where yeah. you can have complete democracy throughout. You know, if you're saying America is the greatest place in the world, the greatest nation or whatever, you need to act like it, right? right. So you need to be inclusive and not divisive. And you need to make sure that there's um, no way for the minority of people who are white supremacists to actually have such a voice, you know, of intimidation. It should be, it really should be no reason in 2021 that these people can show their ugly faces and make, you know, create this huge stain on America. And, you know, yeah. they have us out here looking like, you know, clowns yeah. to the rest I of mean, the world. Uh, when you look at it uh, as an onlooker, if you can like magically, you know, insert yourself as like a viewer, to what's going on when you see it on TV or online, it looks like a different country. It looks like yes. what happens in places like Venezuela and you know and Africa, you know, which I think is a wonderful place that has been so like bastardized and you know, and it, it looks like you know Syria, yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> absolutely uh, changing changing yeah. of of power and you know and political figures and all that. Yeah, that's what usually happens in those yeah. third world countries and different things when a new regime is coming on you always see violence attached to it but america has never had violence attached with changing um the, the political regime from president to president over yeah. all these years it has never happened but the reason why it has happened of course is attributed to the person that we have in power absolutely should absolutely. have never been in power in the first place absolutely and um like i say when you go back and you look at the presidential primaries when he won back in um 2016 or whatever and he's running against a, a white woman that was a, a, a big thing right there i think that's one of the reasons why he won because america was not ready for a woman to become yeah. president and um and because of that they voted for this white man white who lash. was not was not qualified at right. all and we did have this white lash because of obama you yeah. know they they thought at the majority, you know, white people, whatever, we had gotten too uppity. We elected an African-American person. Now we can say, okay, look at all of this progress that America has made. We've come so far and all this. And that's not the case. Yeah. You know, yes, we had an African-American president or a biracial president, whatever, you know, some people get upset when you say, oh, he's the first black president. They're like, no, he's biracial. Well, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what we mean. Is, he represented us, you know, right. <laughs> we were happy that he was there, but, um, it led to the the white lash. It led to what happened um, later on with the election of Trump. That coupled with him running against a woman, you know, yeah. a, a gender. It was gender. And so yeah. now with um, with Biden Harris, we have the best of both worlds yeah. because now we have our first African American um, female, yeah. you know, vice president. And it's it's really nothing that they can do about it. And I think that the majority of those white supremacists, they're just they're they're shaking in their boots yeah. because they don't they don't understand what's gonna they don't know yeah. what America is going to look like. They are fearful of equality, of true right. equality. Right, because that's all they have, you know. Uh Nikki Giovanni, I believe it was Nikki Giovanni, but somebody uh no, Toni Morrison had a quote, and I'm trying to think of it. I, I won't say it verbatim, but it was to the effect of, uh, if you take away 
uh, what a, a question was, if you take away your whiteness, what else do you have? What, what makes you better? So that's all you have. You have to, uh, here it is. If you can't feel tall, the only way you can feel tall is by having someone else on their knees. Uh, you have a serious problem. That was the quote, pretty much that. And, mm -hmm. and what she's saying is like, you know, if you have to make another person feel down because and if you feel like the only way you feel good about yourself is because of supremacy, and in most cases that supremacy is because of your color of your skin, you have a problem. If you take that away, that's all you have. You know, and it's nothing special. You know, or you know, if everybody has that equal special thing, if that makes any sense. So, yeah, it's interesting. I want to ask Dr. Shortland, mm -hmm. um, um, unapologetic, unapologetically black. What does that mean to you? It means that I am not making, I, I'm not dimming my light. I am going to be who I am and I don't care what you think of who I am because I am who I am and I'm a black woman and I'm going to just go ahead and tell you like it is and let the chips fall where they may. That's unapologetically black. That's unapologetically being a black woman. You know, it, today is not the day and age where we need to have a double consciousness. Like Du Bois had written, I think, and um, he came up with the concept around 1897 and he wrote it in Souls of Black Folks in 1903, the concept of double consciousness where we have to be one person to a set of people, to white people, right. but then when we go to the black community, we have to be, you know, another person, right? Because we're living in in America and we were again America was not created for us so now we have to have these two faces being unapologetically black means I have one face and you're going to yeah. get whatever you get yeah. <laughs> if I turn to the left or to the right it's the same face I'm not going to be this way for white people and this way for black people I'm going to be this way for everyone yeah and I have in my business I run a, a, a CPA firm business management firm uh, all things fiscal related and we have all sorts of clients uh, both domestic and international. Um, and I do find that over the years, and I think back to when I first started, uh, my industry is, back then it was 8% black and it probably still is as far as firm ownership. Um, and I remember my, when I first got my, uh, my first job at a CPA firm in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, I used to drive my ex at the time, her car, because I had a BMW. And I, she had a little Laro, so I was like, I'll drive her car to work because I didn't want these people to see that I had this car and everything. But this little kid is, you know, here we are giving him a job and he got this nice car. And that mindset perpetuated for years of, uh, as I was building my business. Um, and as of today, and then this is something uh, even most recently in the last, say, three years, maybe three, four years, I felt confident and growing my hair out more or driving my car to whatever damn I don't care that no one if I lose any client I tell my whole team that we have about 14 people all together in my office and I tell them there's no one client that we can't afford to lose you know because I built it up enough to be confident right that you know there's no one person I can take away from what has been built so I do think there's a sense of strategy that that I personally applied over the years so, and, and, and I wanna ask you, you know, to that point, and also I wanna add to that, black folk don't always tend to support each other, you know? Yeah. Uh, we challenge each other more than we actually support each other. And I think that dates all the way back to the beginning of time. 
uh, and it's part of like our identity crisis. We don't trust you now. So many black artists will talk about how they got you know four lawyers and they're all Jewish and you know all these white guys. You know Prince and Michael Jackson died with all these uh, white uh, financial and money advisors, and they're all in uh, in the state issues right now, like over their neck. Guys take them to the bank. What is it that? How could a culture rob us of our identity, rape our ancestors, kill us, slaughter us? And we still have this surrendering personality. Right. I, I could definitely that race. That I, I could definitely talk about that. Never understood mm-hmm. that. And why do yeah. we we love black power, right? But we don't trust each other. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it goes back to history. I mean, it go again back to 1619 when we got off of that boat. Yes. And it's a divide and conquer method that, that the white people yes. have placed on us from day one of coming from Africa. Because if you look at the history prior to um, slaves coming ashore in America, we were always helping each other out. Yes. We were always united. It wasn't crabs in a bucket mentality at all. Okay. Yeah. And so this is something that has been ingrainedly taught and taught to us so yes. that um so that the, the the white people could continue to separate us because they know you know collectively if we get together we can enforce change and we can do these things all together so they had this from day one when they're splitting up the you know the plantation people the yep. cooks the people working in the big house and the yep. people who's working in the fields to the african-american people that they make a, a slave drive other african-american people and so they've been putting us against each other for a very long time. And what we see today um, is that we don't trust each other because of that. Yes. Because it's been so ingrained in, in us. And it's something that we, as a people, realize that, that there's strength in numbers. And that white people, these white supremacists, they want us to be divisive right. and they want us to be crabs in a bucket. And if we have that mentality, we're never going to help each other. And, and those we're strategies, those strategies don't happen, divide and conquer in particular by coincidence. They specifically look and target and find what, what our strengths are, what our hot buttons are, what our weaknesses are. They throw arrows in between relationships. You know, in this one particular place, there are three black women who are uh, new council women, highly educated, and they are this. They were elected in 2019, and they are the first, for the first time, this parish has had a black female or black woman elected as a council person. So you got three. Do you not think that is an intimidate? That, does that not intimidate the system? So they strategically went and surgically went and figured out how to divide this particular group of women who one of them, one, two of the women were actually cousins and they have them not even communicating, not even talking at this point. The district attorney in St. John Parish is a black woman. She's the first elected black, or she's the first elected female district attorney in the state of Louisiana. She's the first elected. Many have tried. She's the only one. She's the only female, and she happens to be black. So does that not shock and intimidate the system where they look and try to find ways to, you know, pit us against each other? And how could we not see that? You know, and that's the thing that's a little bit disheartening because it's like 
you know, if you Google divide and conquer, you know what comes up? Plantations. Hawaii mm -hmm. and Brazil, those tactics were used throughout history because of, you know, what I believe is just insecurity and losing control. And that's also what, you know, happens, you know, and, and it relates all back to the insurrection uh, a couple weeks I think ago. What, what I would be interested in is, is a part two that we can talk about, okay, based on history, here's a strategy, here's certain strategies that one can do to be more successful, you know, be involved in this, you know, support this or do, you know, what are the mechanisms that listeners can, can take away? So that's know? what I was about to say. You're, you're looking for mm -hmm. something or, to, I think this is a great conversation. Yeah, a lot of millennials or yeah. I can they're into it. some of this, they're into, they're into things. Yeah, well, they're, 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 they're not so uh, uh, understanding of history, but they are like, they're the fighters though. They're the ones out on the street. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. You know, they're ready to, to, you know, you hit me with a brick, I'm hitting you with two bricks. Yeah. They're fighting, they're, they're fighting, but they're fighting differently from and, how, and they're also more socially, uh, they're millennials or whatever we call them, because I think it's something mm -hmm. else past millennial, but they are very, Excerpts, they, exactly, they care more about their work and their work having an impact. Like I always considered myself, you know, somewhat uh, socially isolated, absolutely, an introvert. Uh, like I'm, I have not talked on a podcast before. We've been doing this since October. And when I do talk, I have them edited out. I'm not gonna have them do I don't it this let time him around. Talk that much, and so. but this one I, I just can't I can't contain myself, right? But how do we take this and, so much, and show people and I actually don't really I'm a, I'm a dilettante, I guess, to an extent. You know, I'm somewhat interested in it. But, uh, but I think this conversation is so topical because, you know, even with myself, when I started advocating for some things in this particular area, because I was hitting some buttons that were like, hit, I, I believe could unearth the democracy in this particular parish. And I know some of the players they went and, and specifically did a hit job on me where they really, they, but I also had 20 years of credibility where there were people who'd be like, wait, no, I know this guy. I know blah, 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 blah. You're making, they made manufactured things to protect their infrastructure. And this one particular person, I think she's a good person, but she just has lost control. And they went out of their way to create scenarios that were just like, not even, I was like, this is pretty sad, you know, but it was as opposed to being violent it about such it, a way. you know, as opposed to being violent about it, you know, and I also knew that I had the credibility to stick it out, you know, if that makes any sense. So we, we do need so to- Dr. Dr. Charlene, we have to have a part two because Gary will have four minutes. In okay. <laughs> Um, but I, I have a list of questions that I normally, and I picked one. And for, for you, I want to conclude by asking you, what's your favorite quote and or saying that keeps you inspired? Hmm. <laughs> Let's see. Um, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. 
<laughs> that keeps me inspired because even, you know, when I do the talks and I'm writing, I'm doing all these different things, I'm constantly thinking about how impactful what I'm going to say or do is going to be for my community. Mm-hmm. And I always want to make sure that I put, um, you know, the best foot forward in maintaining Um, anything that I have to say. I want it to be factual. I want people to be able to understand it. I want people to have questions. I want people to go and and discuss it in their own community. Um, I remember uh, a couple years ago, uh, my son was in kindergarten and I teach him about black history all the time. And he asked me to come and speak to his class. So I thought I was gonna speak to about 20 kids. Uh, Ended up being like 70 kindergartners. And I made a PowerPoint, really, you know, just a little Martin Luther King, Ruby Bridges, that kind of stuff, very friendly. I showed it to my son and my son said, nope, I don't want you to talk about that because I know about those things. I said, you do, but they don't. And uh, he said, no, I want you to talk about slavery and the slave ships and how we came back and this and that. And I did that. And I put it into terms of a kindergartner. And let me tell you, um, by the time I was done, everyone, they, they had teachers coming in and they were like, this is such a, a, a complex topic and you broke it down to these kids. I had parents um, messaging me and, and different things telling me, thank you, because they had not been able to talk to their kids about these complex things. And I said, you meet somebody where they are. And that's my thing. You meet them where they are and you explain things to them in their you know, in in their terminology, right? That's what you have to do. You can't just be complex just because you are a historian or you are a doctor or something, whatever. You have to meet people where they are in order for them to learn, right? So again, we, uh, some of, some Black people are caught up in in a lot of the titles. Yeah, I'm Dr. XYZ or I'm this and that, but you know what, when it comes down to it, I'm a Black person and I'm part of this community and I want to make sure that the community, you know, is successful. And in order to do that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just keep it real, <laughs> you know. So, so you have to, folks, if you don't stand for something or fall for anything, Dr. Sherling yes. will definitely have to have a part two. Thank you for joining our podcast. Absolutely. We'll, happy game day to you as well. Absolutely. Yes. Thanks. Yes. Yes. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Happy Happy King Day. We will uh, circle back for sure uh, within the next day or so, and we'll send you, uh, you know, some info so, because we do need to follow up in some way. I think. Okay. Uh, with Donald Trump, I always said that America would need civics teachers, English teachers, and history teachers. Like that's those are you know great careers. So yeah, we'll mm-hmm. figure it out. Absolutely, I love it. Thank you. All the best. <laughs> and I to love you. doing it at an HBCU. So right, <laughs> XU. All right, yes. all the best to you. Thank you guys. Thank y'all. Okay. Thanks for listening to Carter the Accountant. We envision a world where essential and transformative powers will help people turn nothing into something. Follow us on Instagram at Carter the Accountant.